the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Kind of hard to believe that we're um, very, very short time before, uh, before Christmas and Christmas Eve and then New Year's. And before you know it, bang, we'll be in 2020. Hard to believe this year has gone by so fast for me. I don't know if it's gone by fast for you, but I have found that so many things have happened this year. Uh, Sometimes it seemed to zip by. Other times it seemed to go by very, very slowly. But um, the end of the year is coming up. This is a good time to start thinking about things that you should be doing for you and your family, especially things that you should be doing in terms of of uh, planning to avoid conservatorship and avoid probate and all those other things that I know you don't want to think about, I know you don't want to talk about, because who really wants to talk about or think about what happens after they die? I mean, uh, some people uh, believe that they're going to a better place after they die. Some people believe there is no place they're going after they die. However you happen to fall on the spectrum of belief, the reality is we're all going to die someday. None of us are getting out of this alive. And this is as good a time as any to think about and start thinking about planning for that inevitable time so that you and your family are not caught short when it happens. Now, to help with that, I have my last Living Trust seminar of the year that will be tomorrow morning starting at 9 o'clock in my office here in San Jose on Ross Avenue near Hillsdale in the Cambrian Park of San Jose. It's about half full right now, so there's still some spaces left in the the seminar to come in. Uh, You can register by going to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B, dot com and about midway down the page there's actually a calendar that shows upcoming seminars and you can click on tomorrow morning's uh, date and you can click right through and register for the seminar or you can go to eventbrite.com and look for the living trust seminar on uh, tomorrow for tomorrow's date And you can register right through there. So going through my website, you'll end up at Eventbrite, or you can go straight to Eventbrite. I will be taking calls today. And uh, so if you have any questions that you'd like to pose to me that are estate planning questions, 
please feel free to call at 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And uh, my engineer, Marco, is standing by to take your call and pass it through to me. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you have any questions that you would like me to answer on the air. Maybe you're you're shy, you don't want to call in because you don't want to be on the air, you're nervous about that. That's fine, I understand that. Not everybody is comfortable with uh, being live on the air with um, thousands or even tens of thousands of people listening to them. So I understand that, but you can email me your question and I'll be happy to deal with it on the air that way. And you can still get the answers that you're looking for without having to um, put yourself um, live on the radio. Now, continuing on, unless someone calls in, I'm going to continue on with my usual practice on this show of letting you know about situations from around the state that actual people are facing here in the state of California. And I'm going to give my little analysis and observations. And hopefully you'll hear something today that will benefit you or someone you know, a family member or a friend or a work colleague that is facing a similar situation. And they will be prompted to seek uh, legal advice or legal assistance to help them with their matter. Now, here's a, a, a pretty straightforward one. Person says, Mom left me a house in her trust. Now that she's passed away, how will the trustee transfer the deed in my name? Well, actually, the question answers itself. The, the trustee, whoever takes over the trust, which what we call the successor trustee, will actually uh, do a deed transferring the property out of the trust ownership to this person who's the beneficiary, They'll also do a change of ownership report at the same time. And uh, if this is the child of the person, which appears to be the case because they're talking about mom, although in my experience, someone's mom may not necessarily be a biological parent, um, but maybe more the person, the adult who raised you and that you think of as mom. Let's assume this is actual mom and there's an actual parent-child relationship. There would also be a change of ownership report filed and a parent-to-child exclusion form, what we call a Proposition 58 form, so that there would not be a reassessment of the property taxes when the transfer of this residence takes place. So uh, here is um, another question. Actually, the one I just referenced was out of Yorba Linda, California, and and here's another one out of your Belinda. I wonder if it's uh, uh, looks like completely different days, so it's probably not related at all. But let's take a look at this one here. Um, there was a living trust, and it looks like uh, one of the parents, this is a husband and wife, one of the parents has died, and now there's a survivor's trust, which is revocable, and an exemption trust, what we sometimes also call a bypass trust, which is irrevocable. And the question is, can the surviving spouse change the exemption trust? Dad was the first one to pass away. He would wanted to make sure his kids inherited a portion of his wealth. That would be the property that went into the exemption trust. 
Um, at one point, I read a document that said my sister and I would each get a lump sum, and mom's attorney, she could not change that. Can she change that? The short answer is a very, very definite no or possibly yes, or I guess a maybe would be it. The answer is no if uh, this person and their sisters say no, they don't want it changed because it's an irrevocable trust and their rights to receive that property when the mother dies are now vested by law and by the terms of the trust. But if they wanted to change that in some way, they could go to court with mom and request changes to that exemption trust and a judge could actually sign an order making whatever changes they requested. So the answer is... uh, It can be changed, maybe, as long as all the beneficiaries of that exemption trust agree to the change and they do it through the court system. Here's someone's been living in a place for two years. They're the beneficiary and the property goes into a trust. Um, So the executor, it says, told me his son might contest the trust. He said it might be held up in court for over a year and he's going to start charging me rent. Now, I understand there's a 120-day period we have to wait before the property is given to the beneficiary. There's enough money to pay off everything that the person owed. Um, So the question is, can someone charge this person rent if they're supposed to get the property? Um, The 120 days is referring to a notice being given to uh, people who so they have a right to contest the trust if they want to. And if they don't within that time period therefore closed from doing that, meaning that they can't bring a lawsuit. Here, I think it's questionable that rent could be charged for this person because if they're the one to actually receive it and they're living there, I think that really kind of violates the spirit of what the person intended, leaving the property to them. So we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back after the break, you can always call 800-516-1220 or I'll continue on. So I'll talk with you after the break. This is Bob Bergman. Rob Black. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the second segment of our show today. If you'd like to call in with a question, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800 800- 516-1220. No one having called in so far, I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Let's see if we can't get some more questions answered here on the air. <clears throat> now, here's actually a really interesting one. This gets into a little bit of a deep dive into some trust law. The person's asking, what does California trust clause mean that says, in the event of divorce, it will be considered as if each of us predeceased the other. This was a joint living trust in California between uh, between spouses, and it provided that in the death of either party, remaining assets go to the surviving party, but in the event of a divorce, does this mean that, um, um, what does this really mean? Each will be considered predeceased the other. Well, If you have, say, the husband dies and everything goes to the wife, that's what the trust says. 
But if they get divorced, then the husband dies. The husband is treated, uh, the wife is treated as if she had died before the husband, which means the husband's share of property would not go to the wife. Instead, it would go to whoever the next set of beneficiaries of the trust are, which might be uh, the children of the couple. So that's what that clause actually means. Uh, If we get divorced, we're each treated as if we had died before the other party, effectively meaning that um, we disinherited if, if a spouse dies, surviving spouse is disinherited as to the property of the spouse that died. Um, because they um, may have gotten divorced, but they may still have a trust in effect. It may it may not have been changed yet. And this is to make sure that you don't end up with the result that everything goes to a surviving spouse just because they're named as the beneficiary of a trust when there's actually been a divorce that took place. So that's really what that's talk, talking about. Okay, here's a medical question. I don't really practice in the area of medical, which is mostly elder law, but I do know a great deal about it. And this is actually a very straightforward question. This says mom already has medical. That means that she's already having the state pay for either her health insurance or for long-term care benefits in a nursing home or both. Mom's house is still under her name. And she wants to create a trust to protect it from medical asset recovery. Now, if mom is able to do that, that tells me that mom may be in a nursing home, but she may still be competent, mentally competent, if she knows that she wants to do this. And that's something to check into. The concern is if a trust is created, would that revoke her medical benefits? I read that if a trust is created, that would trigger medical look back period. Of the last 30 months. Now, here's the deal. Here in California, as of approximately two years ago, effective January 1, two years ago, um, the law changed in California, and you can put your personal residence into a revocable living trust. And if you otherwise qualify for Medi-Cal, when you die, the state will not recover against the house. They will not require the house to be sold to pay the state back. That was a major change in the law that took place. And what it means is that if all you really have is your home, you can make sure your home gets left to your family or whomever you wish it to go to, provided you actually put it into a trust of some kind. And a revocable living trust is the easiest and quickest one to set up for that purpose. Um, I've mentioned earlier on this show that I'm looking into setting up a special type of estate plan that is very stripped down bare bones that is primarily designed to deal with making sure that someone's residence is not subject to recovery from the state um, should they go into a nursing home. Um, The plan I'm looking at doing would have a very simple trust and it would have simple powers of attorney and advanced health care directives to support that trust and um, be priced quite a bit less than what I charge for my normal estate planning fees. But that's something that could be done even if you did a legal Zoom trust 
and put the house in there and then qualified for Medi-Cal, the house cannot be taken by the state after you die. That's a huge change in the law that's been around for a couple of years now. Okay, so here is, um, if there's a probate and there's no will involved, how is the petition titled? Um, The person said the options on the petition form are only for probate with will annexed. Well, that's not um, that's not the case. There's actually probate for a will for um, letters of administration with will annex. There's if there's no will at all, the person would be a petition for administration of the estate um, for letters of administration to be issued by the court. So I'm not sure why that's a problem there. The form is actually pretty clear what you can do if there is no will at all. Okay, here it says, my dad's 85 years old. Congratulations. He had a living trust. He did not want to be the trustee, so he resigned and made me trustee of his trust. Everything was done by his trust lawyer. Then my brother came along and made dad change his trust. Can the trust be changed if my dad resigned as the trustee and put me in charge? The answer is absolutely yes, if dad is still competent, because dad is the trustor or creator of the trust. Being the trustee doesn't give you any power to change a trust. Only the creator of the trust, the trustor, O-R, not E-E, is the one that has the ability to do that. So if, uh, if dad changed the trust, even with his son in charge of it as the trustee, he can do that. There's no problem with that at all, as long as he's mentally competent and as long as the brother didn't exercise inappropriate influence over him to induce him to make changes to the trust. And that's a whole separate issue. I'm not going to talk about that issue today, um, but it's something that does come up now and then. Okay, uh, what should an attorney charge to administer a $2.2 million trust in California? Is it a percentage of the estate or a flat fee? The answer is it could be a percentage of the estate, a flat fee, or hourly rate based on the number of hours spent doing the administration. Some attorneys charge what the probate fees would be. $2.2 million estate would be over $30,000 in attorney's fees. Others may charge a smaller percentage or may do hourly, which is what I do. I do uh, trust administration on an hourly basis, typically eight to 10 hours for an administration, which is about four to $5,000 of my time. So I'm much more cost effective than most attorneys. I would guarantee that. Well, we're coming up on the break now to um, the show, the mid-show break. Uh, Number is 800-516-1220 if you want to call in. Or email me your questions at radio at lawbob.com. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I will talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. If you'd like to call into the show today, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or you can radio, excuse me, you can email your questions to me, 
to radio at lawbob.com. That's radio at lawbob.com. Continuing on with the questions and comments I have from around the state of California, um, we'll go with, uh, I think, maybe a couple of pretty straightforward ones here. Um, This person's asking, um, how do I make sure that the car that I gifted to my dad is given back to me when he passes away? I gifted my car to my dad with his word he would leave it to me when he passes away, but I'm afraid it will automatically become his wife's. Now, from that, I'm assuming that his wife's means the stepmother, the person asking the question. Do I get him to put this in writing and notarize it or put it in his trust on Schedule A? Well, first of all, a Schedule A of a trust is typically just a list of assets of the trust and doesn't really talk about who's supposed to get those assets. But it should be in writing, probably should be identified in the trust if there's a trust, explicitly stating on my death, my car and the description of the car goes to my son, Johnny, or whoever it happens to be, uh, outright and free of trust. That's something that should be put in writing as part of the trust. <clears throat> if it's an amendment to the trust, then um, it, it should be in writing and it could also be notarized. If the trust requires it to be notarized, then you would do that. There's no specific requirement that a change like that be notarized, but it's certainly something that could be put in writing and uh, to say that this person uh, gets the car back when their dad dies. <clears throat> so here, uh, this person says, I'm 30, I've lived at grandma's house for 20 years, and I've been her caregiver for the past 10. Her eldest son has power of attorney. That, I'm assuming that would mean uh, the uncle. Uh, Grandma has a trust, but no will. What happens to the house that only has her name on it and is not in trust? When she dies, will I immediately have to vacate the property? Well, if you're just living in the property and you're not a formal tenant with a rental agreement or with a lease, really, you're what we are probably calling a tenant at will, um you probably will have to vacate the property unless your uncle, the eldest son, um, takes action to allow you to stay there. If this house is not actually in grandma's trust, some kind of probate court action is going to be necessary for someone to take over and have the authority to move anybody out of the house. Um, if it's in grandma's name and not in the name of her trust, then it's possible that court action might be able to be taken um, to uh, using grandma's will. If she had a will here, it says she has no will, which means we have to look and say, is there something in writing that indicates her intention that the house pass as part of her trust? And if that's the case, you could go to court with a Hegstat petition, and you've heard me talk about those over uh, the last several months. Uh, this happens to be in Riverside County. I would suggest that they don't do it in Riverside County. It'll take them forever to get that done. But the issue is, if there is no written evidence that she intended the house to pass as part of her trust, and she had no will, then we have a probate, uh, an intestate probate, meaning no will, 
and someone's going to have to petition the court to be appointed as the administrator of grandma's estate so they can take over uh, that property and start doing something with it. So the real issue is how long would it take for someone to be put in charge of that property through the probate court? It could be several months before anyone has authority to do anything with the property, including telling somebody to move out. So this person here, I'd probably tell them, you know what? Um, Depending on the actual circumstances, you may have several months before you have to move. Um, If you vacate before they ask you to move, that's probably better for family relationships. But um, it's probably going to be quite some time before they can be forced to move, if that's what the concern is. Okay, here's one out of the Central Valley. Um, My ex-husband's successor trustee is my son, but there's no beneficiary on his trust. When he passes away, this is when the ex-husband dies, who will be the beneficiary? So what happens? Can my son ask the court to become the beneficiary? First of all, I'd be extremely surprised to find a trust created by someone that names their son as the successor trustee, but doesn't name a beneficiary at all, unless it was a do-it-yourself trust and the person wrote it up for themselves and they really had no idea what they were doing. Um, In the absence of a named beneficiary of a trust, the law would basically direct the property in that trust to the estate of the person who died. That's the probate estate of the person who died. In a case like that, the likely result here would be that the son, who's the successor trustee, and any other siblings he may have would be the intestate heirs of the father who died with no beneficiary on his trust. A situation like this points out just... um, how wrong things can be if you actually have a trust that doesn't have a named beneficiary on it. That's kind of a pointless thing to do. It's not going to be of any value to the family to have a trust that does not have a beneficiary named on it. But here, given the information that's put in front of me, I think it's very likely that it would end up with the son but it would probably have to go through the entire probate process, which is one of the things we're trying to avoid when we set up set up trusts in the first place. We don't want to go through the probate process um, because that kind of misses the point of having a trust in the first place. Okay, we've got um, another one here. Um, Okay, this is actually a question I'm sure comes up all the time. Here's a trust originally dated February 13th, 2018, completely restated October 13th, 2018. When amending the trust, what date's supposed to be used? Okay. Um, First of all, you'd keep the original date of the trust, February 13th, 2018, but then indicate in the amendment restatement that it has been completely restated on October 13, 2018, the later date. Now, here's a secondary question. A co-trustee was originally removed 
from the February 13th trust, but reinstated on the uh, on a January 23rd, 2019 amendment. Is that valid if they only reference the February 13th trust? It's an interesting question. Um, first of all, if it's a, the original trust was February 13th, I don't know how someone is removed from the original trust. It just means they were never put in, so I'm not quite sure. Oh, wait, I see. The the um, October 13th, 2018 restatement removed a co-trustee that was originally in the trust, but then a later amendment puts them back in. Um, the question is, did the later amendment only reference the original trust, or did it uh, reference the restatement? I think the answer here is that it kind of doesn't matter. Clearly, the intent of the person is that this co-trustee is put back into the trust. And since the restated trust still carries the original date of the original trust and is still the original trust, just restated. I know this is confusing. um, A change like that is perfectly fine and would be a change to the original trust, just like the restatement was. Okay. Yeah, here's one. When I read this, I got a little bit perturbed by this. My aunt is trustee of my grandfather's trust. Trust states all assets are to be divided equally between her and my mother. Aunt just informed mom that the house is hers, and she put the house in her name, that she can have her kids on it if she likes, and she'll sell it when she pleases. But my mom will still get half at that time. Is this legal? I would say pretty much hell no. Um, the the aunt had no business putting the property in her name alone, if if it says that the property is to be divided between her and this person's mother. Um, right there, I would say that is grounds to go to court and have the aunt removed as the trustee ordered to return the property to the trust and maybe even pay for the privilege of having them ordered by the court to return the property to the trust. Uh, This is definitely um, an issue right here. Uh, A trustee is not allowed to just put the property in their name uh, without the trust ownership on it and say, now it's my property, I can do what I want with it. That's conversion. It's a form of embezzlement. It's not only a civil offense, but it could in some cases be a criminal offense. So that's what I would advise this person. Lawyer up and demand that she return it back to the trust. Otherwise, take her to court and have her removed as the trustee. We're coming up on the third break of the show today. If you'd like to get a call in, you'll have one more chance in the final segment, 800-516-1220. Or you can email me at radio at lawbob.com with any questions you may have. But until then, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after the final break for the show today. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back for the final segment of our show today. 
As I sometimes say, we are rounding the far turn and heading for the finish line. I do have time to take maybe one call in this last segment. It's 800-516-1220 if you'd like to call in. Uh, Otherwise, I will just close out the show today with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Now, here's a question um, that would apply to any of you who are the beneficiary of a trust that is what's called a spendthrift trust. A spendthrift trust is a trust that is typically set up for somebody that the creator of the trust believes is not able to handle money. That's really what it's for. It could be set up for someone who is financially not very competent. It could be set up for someone who suffers from some form of addiction, a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, especially a gambling addiction, things like that. It could be set up for somebody who is a special needs person who maybe is high functioning, but uh, cannot really handle money well or can handle money and can't handle money at all. So a spendthrift provision in a trust basically says the trustee is to use the property wisely for the benefit of the beneficiary and not just give them whatever they want whenever they ask for it. Now, that being said, uh, the question comes up, can the trustee of my spendthrift trust give me a gift of that trust money? If so, is there a limit? Uh, The answer is yes, a gift of the money can be made to the beneficiary of a spendthrift trust. The limit is in the discretion of the trustee, typically. This person would like to buy a truck, wonders if the trustee can pay for it out of the trust. I would say probably... Absolutely so. Uh, Buying a truck might be necessary for someone to actually uh, hold down a job, to conduct a business of some kind, any number of reasons, as opposed to, hey, just give me some money so I can go to Santa Anita and uh, bet on the fifth race. That's a different thing entirely. So here, yes, a trustee, one of the things a trustee might very well do is buy a truck for the beneficiary or some other kind of form of transportation uh, in order to make sure the beneficiary has that item taken care of. So here's someone saying, I don't understand the bond process in probate. If I were the personal representative of the estate but could not pay a bond, then I wouldn't be able to administer the estate? I don't understand how that works. Well, here's the deal. Um, a bond or surety bond is a typical requirement of probate courts for anyone who's put in charge of handling an estate in probate, either as the executor if there's a will or administrator if there is no will, both of which collectively are referred to as the personal representative of the state, of the estate rather. <clears throat> now, a bond is typically required unless you have a will that waives the requirement of a bond, but even then some courts will require it. A bond is basically put up by an insurance company in the amount of the value of the estate, and it is there to pay the heirs if the executor or administrator of the estate basically runs off with the money. Uh, absconds with the with the money, converts it to their own use, and steals it. 
And um, so that's why if someone cannot be bonded, if they can't obtain a bond like that, then they may not be a good risk for someone being in charge of an estate. That's just a fact. Um, it's, uh, so that's what a bond is all about. Um, most wills will waive the requirement of a bond, but in some cases a court can ignore that and still, uh, still say you need to put up a bond in order to, um, in order to handle this estate. Okay. Okay. Dad died. He had signed his name to my special needs trust under duress with the family watching. Um, he pays rent and utilities, trying to stay with them as long as possible. I'm on the lease. Um, I need an attorney for court to change um, the person in charge of my trust. He hasn't stole my money yet, uh, but he has the power to put me in a nursing home or leave me homeless. He hasn't physically abused me, but avoidance is abuse, financially dangerous. Um, this is, I'm not really clear what this person's asking about. It looks like what they're saying is they have a special needs trust and they don't like the person who's in charge of it, and they're afraid they're going to take advantage of them. In a case like this, if the person who is a who is a special needs person doesn't really have their own resources, they can probably get assistance from legal aid to uh, go in and get the trustee changed if there's grounds to change the trustee. It's not real clear from that whether that's the case. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. We have less than a minute to go. I wanted to remind you all, I do have my last Living Trust Seminar of the year tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in my office in San Jose. You can go to lawbob.com and find the calendar there and click through to register or go directly to eventbrite.com and search for the Living Trust Seminar for tomorrow morning and register that way. I still have a few spaces available So here's your chance to get an education about living trust planning, conservatorship, and probate from an expert such as myself. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and uh, I will talk with you next week. This is Attorney Bob Bergman signing off. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.